0: Four chapters thirteen and fourteen of Joseph Andrews. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Dennis Sayers. Joseph Andrews by Henry Fielding, Book Four, Chapter Thirteen. The history, returning to the Lady Booby, gives some account of the terrible conflict in her breast between love and pride, with what happened on the present. Discovery. The lady sat down with her company to dinner, but eat nothing. As soon as her cloth was removed, she whispered Pamela that she was taken a little ill, and desired her to entertain her husband and beau Didapper. She then went up into her chamber, sent for Slipslop, threw herself on the bed in the agonies of love, rage, and despair nor could she conceal these boiling passions longer without bursting slipslop now approached her bed and asked how her ladyship did but instead of revealing her disorder as she intended she entered into a long encomium on the beauty and virtues of joseph andrews ending at last with expressing her concern that so much tenderness should be thrown away on so despicable an object as fanny slipslop well knowing how to humour her mistress's frenzy proceeded to repeat with exaggeration if possible all her mistress had said and concluded with a wish that joseph had been a gentleman and that she could see her lady in the arms of such a husband the lady then started from the bed and taking a turn or two across the room cried out with a deep sigh sure he would make any woman happy your ladyship says she would be the happiest woman in the world with him a fig for custom and nonsense What veils what people say? Shall I be afraid of eating sweet meats, Because people may say I have a sweet tooth? If I had a mind to marry a man, All the world should not hinder me. Your ladyship hath no parents to tutor your infections. Besides, he is of your ladyship's family now, And as good a gentleman as any in the country." and why should not a woman follow her mind as well as man why should not your ladyship marry the brother as well as your nephew the sister i am sure if it was a fragrant crime i would not persuade your ladyship to it but dear slipslop answered the lady if i could prevail on myself to commit such a weakness THERE IS THAT CURSED FANNY IN THE WAY, WHOM THE IDIOT, oh, HOW I HATE, AND DESPISE HIM. SHE, A LITTLE UGLY MINX, CRIES slip LEAVE HER TO ME. I SUPPOSE YOUR LADYSHIP HATH HEARD OF JOSEPH'S FITTING WITH ONE OF MR. Diddapper's SERVANTS ABOUT HER, AND HIS MASTER HATH ORDERED THEM TO CARRY HER AWAY BY FORCE THIS EVENING i'll take care they shall not want assistance i was talking with this gentleman who was below just when your ladyship sent for me oh go back says the lady booby this instant for i expect mr Didapper will soon be going do all you can for i am resolved this wench shall not be in our family i will endeavour to return to the company "'but let me know as soon as she is carried off.' "'Slipslop went away, "'and her mistress began to arraign her own conduct "'in the following manner. "'What am I doing? "'How do I suffer this passion "'to creep imperceptibly upon me? "'How many days are past "'since I could have submitted to ask myself the question? "'Mary, a footman!' distraction can i afterwards bear the eyes of my acquaintance but i can retire from them retire with one in whom i propose more happiness than the world without him can give me retire to feed continually on beauties which my inflamed imagination sickens with eagerly gazing on to satisfy every appetite, every desire, with their utmost wish. Ha! and do I dote thus on a footman? Oh, I despise, I detest my passion, yet why? Is he not generous, gentle, kind, kind? to whom to the meanest wretch a creature below my consideration doth he not yes he doth prefer her curse his beauties and the little low heart that possesses them which can basely descend to this despicable wench and be ungratefully deaf to all the honours i do him and can I then love this monster? No, I will tear his image from my bosom, Tread on him, spurn him. I will have those pitiful charms, Which now I despise, mangled in my sight, For I will not suffer the little jade I hate To riot in the beauties I contemn. No, though i despise him myself though i would spurn him from my feet was he to languish at them no other should taste the happiness i scorn why do i say happiness to me it would be misery to sacrifice my reputation my character my rank in life to the indulgence of a mean and a vile appetite! How I detest the thought! How much more exquisite is the pleasure resulting from the reflection of virtue and prudence, than the faint relish of what flows from vice and folly! Whither did I suffer this improper, this mad, passion to hurry me only by neglecting to summon the aids of reason to my assistance reason which hath now set before me my desires in their proper colours and immediately helped me to expel them yes i thank heaven and my pride i have now perfectly conquered this unworthy passion and if there was no obstacle in its way my pride would disdain any pleasures which could be the consequence of so base so mean so vulgar slipslop returned at this instant in a violent hurry and with the utmost eagerness cried out oh madam i have strange news tom the footman is just come from the george where it seems joseph and the rest of them are a and he says there is a strange man who hath discovered that Fanny and Joseph are brother and sister. How, Slipslop, cries the lady in a surprise. I had not time, madam, cries Slipslop, to inquire about particles, but Tom says it is most certainly true. This unexpected account entirely obliterated all those admirable reflections which the supreme power of reason had so wisely made just before in short when despair which had more share in producing the resolutions of hatred we have seen taken began to retreat the lady hesitated a moment and then forgetting all the purport of her soliloquy dismissed her woman again, with orders to bid Tom attend her in the parlour, whither she now hastened to acquaint Pamela with the news. Pamela said she could not believe it, for she had never heard that her mother had lost any child, or that she had ever had any more than Joseph and herself. The lady flew into a violent rage with her and talked of upstarts and disowning relations who had so lately been on a level with her pamela made no answer but her husband taking up her cause severely reprimanded his aunt for her behaviour to his wife he told her if it had been earlier in the evening she should not have stayed a moment longer in her house that he was convinced if this young woman could be proved her sister she would readily embrace her as such and he himself would do the same he then desired the fellow might be sent for and the young woman with him which lady booby immediately ordered and thinking proper to make some apology to Pamela for what she had said, it was readily accepted, and all things reconciled. The pedlar now attended, as did Fanny and Joseph, who would not quit her. The parson likewise was induced, not only by curiosity, of which he had no small portion, but his duty, as he perceived it, to follow them. FOR HE CONTINUED ALL THE WAY TO EXHORT THEM, WHO WERE NOW BREAKING THEIR HEARTS, TO OFFER UP THANKSGIVINGS, AND BE JOYFUL FOR SO MIRACULOUS AN ESCAPE. WHEN THEY ARRIVED AT BOOBY HALL, THEY WERE PRESENTLY CALLED INTO THE PARLOR, WHERE THE PEDDLER REPEATED THE SAME STORY HE HAD TOLD BEFORE, AND INSISTED ON THE TRUTH OF EVERY CIRCUMSTANCE, SO THAT ALL WHO HEARD HIM WERE EXTREMELY WELL SATISFIED OF THE TRUTH except pamela who imagined as she had never heard either of her parents mention such an accident that it must be certainly false and except the lady booby who suspected the falsehood of the story from her ardent desire that it should be true and joseph who feared its truth from his earnest wishes that it might prove false mr booby now desired them all to suspend their curiosity and absolute belief or disbelief till the next morning when he expected old mr andrews and his wife to fetch himself and pamela home in his coach and then they might be certain of certainly knowing the truth or falsehood of this relation in which he said as there were many strong circumstances to induce their credit so he could not perceive any interest the peddler could have in inventing it, or in endeavouring to impose such a falsehood on them. The Lady Booby, who was very little used to such company, entertained them all, viz. her nephew, his wife, her brother and sister, the beau and the parson, with great good humour at her own table, as to the peddler she ordered him to be made as welcome as possible by her servants all the company in the parlour except the disappointed lovers who sat sullen and silent were full of mirth for mr booby had prevailed on joseph to ask mr diedapper's pardon with which he was perfectly satisfied Many jokes passed between the beau and the parson, chiefly on each other's dress. These afforded much diversion to the company. Pamela chid her brother, Joseph, for the concern which he expressed at discovering a new sister. She said, if he loved Fanny, as he ought, with a pure affection, he had no reason to lament being related to her, upon which adams began to discourse on platonic love whence he made a quick transition to the joys of the next world and concluded with strongly asserting that there was no such thing as pleasure in this at which pamela and her husband smiled on one another this happy pair proposing to retire for no other person gave the least symptom of desiring rest, they all repaired to several beds provided for them in the same house. Nor was Adams himself suffered to go home, it being a stormy night. Fanny, indeed, often begged she might go home with the parson, but her stay was so strongly insisted on, that she, at last, by Joseph's advice, consented chapter fourteen containing several curious night adventures in which mr adams fell into many hairbreadth scapes partly owing to his goodness and partly to his inadvertency about an hour after they had all separated it being now past three in the morning Beau Dydapper, whose passion for fanny permitted him not to close his eyes but had employed his imagination in contrivances how to satisfy his desires at last hit on a method by which he hoped to effect it he had ordered his servant to bring him word where fanny lay and had received his information he therefore arose put on his breeches and nightgown, and stole softly along the gallery which led to her apartment, and, being come to the door, as he imagined it, he opened it with the least noise possible, and entered the chamber. A savour now invaded his nostrils, which he did not expect in the room of so sweet a young creature, and which might have probably had no good effect on a cooler lover however he groped out the bed with difficulty for there was not a glimpse of light and opening the curtains he whispered in joseph's voice for he was an excellent mimic fanny my angel i am come to inform thee that i have discovered the falsehood of the story we last night heard i am no longer thy brother but the lover nor will i be delayed the enjoyment of thee one moment longer you have sufficient assurances of my constancy not to doubt my marrying you and it would be want of love to deny me the possession of thy charms so saying He disencumbered himself from the little clothes he had on, and, leaping into bed, embraced his angel, as he conceived her, with great rapture. If he was surprised at receiving no answer, he was no less pleased to find his hug returned with equal ardour. He remained not long in this sweet confusion, for both he and his paramour presently discovered their error. Indeed, it was no other than the accomplished Slipslop, whom he had engaged, but, though she immediately knew the person whom she had mistaken for Joseph, he was at a loss to guess at the representative of Fanny. He had so little seen, or taken notice of this gentlewoman, that light itself would have afforded him no assistance in his conjecture. Bo Didapper no sooner had perceived his mistake than he attempted to escape from the bed with much greater haste than he had made to it. But the watchful slip-slop prevented him, for that prudent woman, being disappointed of those delicious offerings which her fancy had promised her pleasure resolved to make an immediate sacrifice to her virtue indeed she wanted an opportunity to heal some wounds which her late conduct had she feared given her reputation and as she had a wonderful presence of mind she conceived the person of the unfortunate beau to be luckily thrown in her way to restore her lady's opinion of her impregnable chastity. At that instant, therefore, when he offered to leap from the bed, she caught fast hold of his shirt, at the same time roaring out, O thou villain, who hast attacked my chastity, and, I believe, ruined me in my sleep? i will swear a rape against thee i will prosecute thee with the utmost vengeance the beau attempted to get loose but she held him fast and when he struggled she cried out murder murder rape robbery ruin at which words parson adams who lay in the next chamber wakeful and meditating on the pedlar's discovery jumped out of bed, and without staying to put a rag of clothes on, hastened into the apartment whence the cries proceeded. He made directly to the bed in the dark, where laying hold of the bow's skin, for Slipslop had torn his shirt almost off, and finding his skin extremely soft, and hearing him in a low voice begging Slipslop to let him go, he no longer doubted but this was the young woman in danger of ravishing and immediately falling on the bed and laying hold of slipslop's chin where he found a rough beard his belief was confirmed he therefore rescued the beau who presently made his escape and then turning towards slipslop received such a cuff on his chops that his wrath kindling instantly he offered to return the favour so stoutly that had poor slipslop received the fist which in the dark passed by her and fell on the pillow she would most probably have given up the ghost adams missing his blow fell directly on slipslop who cuffed and scratched as well as she could nor was he behindhand with her in his endeavours but happily the darkness of the night befriended her she then cried she was a woman but adams answered she was rather the devil and if she was he would grapple with him and being again irritated by another stroke on his chops he gave her such a remembrance in the guts that she began to roar loud enough to be heard all over the house adams then Seizing her by the hair, for her double clout had fallen off in the scuffle, pinned her head down to the bolster, and then both called for lights together. The lady booby, who was as wakeful as any of her guests, had been alarmed from the beginning, and being a woman of a bold spirit, she slipped on a nightgown, petticoat, and slippers, and taking a candle, which always burnt in her chamber in her hand, she walked undauntedly to Slipslop's room, where she entered just at the instant, as Adams had discovered, by the two mountains which Slipslop carried before her, that he was concerned with a female. He then concluded her to be a witch, and said he fancied those breasts gave suck to a legion of devils. Slipslop, seeing lady booby enter the room cried help or i am ravished with a most audible voice and adams perceiving the light turned hastily and saw the lady as she did him just as she came to the feet of the bed nor did her modesty when she found the naked condition of adams suffer her to approach farther she then began to revile the parson as the wickedest of all men and particularly railed at his impudence in choosing her house for the scene of his debaucheries and her own woman for the object of his bestiality poor adams had before discovered the countenance of his bedfellow and now first recollecting he was naked he was no less confounded than Lady Booby herself, and immediately whipped under the bedclothes, whence the chaste Slipslop endeavoured in vain to shut him out. Then putting forth his head, on which, by way of ornament, he wore a flannel nightcap, he protested his innocence, and asked ten thousand pardons of Mrs. Slipslop for the blows he had struck her. Vowing he had mistaken her for a witch. Lady Booby, then casting her eyes on the ground, observed something sparkle with great lustre, which, when she had taken it up, appeared to be a very fine pair of diamond buttons for the sleeves. A little farther, she saw lie the sleeve itself of a shirt with laced ruffles. Hey day, says she. What is the meaning of this? Oh, madam, says Slipslop, I don't know what hath happened. I have been so terrified. Here may have been a dozen men in the room. To whom belongs this laced shirt and jewels, says the lady. Undoubtedly, cries the parson, to the young gentleman, whom I mistook for a woman on coming into the room. Whence proceeded all the subsequent mistakes, for if i had suspected him for a man i would have seized him had he been another hercules though indeed he seems rather to resemble hylas he then gave an account of the reason of his rising from bed and the rest till the lady came into the room at which and the figures of slipslop and her gallant whose heads only were visible at the opposite corners of the bed she could not refrain from laughter nor did Slipslop persist in accusing the parson of any motions towards a rape. The lady therefore desired him to return to his bed as soon as she was departed, and then ordering Slipslop to rise and attend her in her own room, she returned herself thither. When she was gone, Adams renewed his petitions for pardon to Mrs. Slipslop, who with a most christian temper not only forgave but began to move with much courtesy towards him which he taking as a hint to begin immediately quitted the bed and made the best of his way towards his own but unluckily instead of turning to the right he turned to the left and went to the apartment where fanny lay who as the reader may remember had not slept a wink in the preceding night, and who was so hagged out with what had happened to her in the day, that notwithstanding all thoughts of her Joseph, she had fallen into so profound a sleep, that all the noise in the adjoining room had not been able to disturb her. Adams groped out the bed, and turning the clothes down softly a custom mrs adams had long accustomed him to crept in and deposited his carcass on the bed-post a place which that good woman had always assigned him as the cat or lap-dog of some lovely nymph for whom ten thousand lovers languish lies quietly by the side of the charming maid and ignorant of the scene of delight on which they repose meditates the future capture of a mouse or surprisal of a plate of bread and butter so adams lay by the side of fanny ignorant of the paradise to which he was so near nor could the emanation of sweets which flowed from her breath overpower the fumes of tobacco which played in the parson's nostrils And now sleep had not overtaken the good man when Joseph, who had secretly appointed Fanny to come to her at the break of day, rapped softly at the chamber door, which when he had repeated twice, Adams cried, Come in, whoever you are. Adams thought he had mistaken the door, though she had given him the most exact directions. However, knowing his friend's voice, he opened it, and saw some female vestments lying on a chair fanny waking at the same instant and stretching out her hand on adam's beard she cried out oh heavens where am i bless me where am i said the parson then fanny screamed adams leapt out of bed and joseph stood as the tragedians call it like the statue of surprise "'How came she into my room?' cried Adams. "'How came you into hers?' cried Joseph, in an astonishment. "'I know nothing of the matter,' answered Adams, "'but that she is a vestal for me. "'As I am a Christian, I know not whether she is a man or woman. "'He is an infidel who doth not believe in witchcraft. "'They as surely exist now as in the days of Saul.' My clothes are bewitched away too, and Fanny's brought into their place. For he still insisted he was in his own apartment, but Fanny denied it vehemently, and said his attempting to persuade Joseph of such a falsehood, convinced her of his wicked designs. How, said Joseph in a rage, hath he offered any rudeness to you? She answered, she could not accuse him of any more than villainously stealing to bed to her which she thought rudeness sufficient and what no man would do without a wicked intention joseph's great opinion of adam's was not easily to be staggered and when he heard from fanny that no harm had happened he grew a little cooler yet still he was confounded and as he knew the house and that the woman's apartments were on this side as Mrs. Slipslop's room, and the men's on the other, he was convinced that he was in Fanny's chamber. Assuring Adams, therefore, of this truth, he begged him to give some account how he came there. Adams, then standing in his shirt, which did not offend Fanny as the curtains of the bed were drawn, related all that had happened— and when he had ended joseph told him it was plain he had mistaken by turning to the right instead of the left i so cries adams that's true as sure as sixpence you have hit on the very thing he then traversed the room rubbing his hands and begged fanny's pardon assuring her he did not know whether she was man or woman that innocent creature firmly believed all he said told him she was no longer angry and begged joseph to conduct him into his own apartment where he should stay himself till she had put her clothes on joseph and adams accordingly departed and the latter soon was convinced of the mistake he had committed however whilst he was dressing himself He often asserted he believed in the power of witchcraft, notwithstanding, and did not see how a Christian could deny it. End of Book 4, Chapters 13 and 14. Read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California, for LibriVox.